a long episode of the talk show on episode 53 coming up. I discussed the top 10 teams in the NFL, the NFL MVP favorites, week 11, picked all those games, and then talked a bunch of topics in the NBA trending stories. And then I had a bonus, a movie review at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for all that, a longer episode, but it should be a great episode. All that coming up next on the talk show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the talk show, episode 53. We got a lot coming for you today. We're doing a lot of NFL, NBA, and then I got a bonus special at the end. So stick around. It's going to be a great episode. But I don't want to ruin the whole episode with the first thing that I'm going to talk about. So I want to get it out of the way early so that I don't have to talk about it the rest of the way. And that's the New York Jets. Um, It's about this time last year that we hit rock bottom or maybe a little bit later last year when they won their first game. It's like, oh, that's it. We don't even have Lawrence. Nothing to rely on. But we hit rock bottom yet again as a franchise. This happens about twice or three times a year with this franchise. And it happened again. Today, Robert Sala announced that Joe Flacco will be the starting quarterback against the tough, I forget the word he used, but the very tough and uh, they disguise their looks, Miami defense, who, by the way, is giving up over 25 points a game. So Mike White, who last year or last week, I should say, was, hey, maybe he'll take the starting job from Zach if he's good enough. But after one four interception performance against a really good team in the Bills, he is no longer the starter and he can't even start against a bad Miami team and you're going with Joe Flacco. It's one thing if you're going back to your franchise quarterback, who's supposed to be the future. Okay. We're not going back to him, but we're not even going, we're going with the guy who is definitely not our future. Definitely not our franchise quarterback. He doesn't even give us the best chance to win. There's no reason. There's absolutely no reason to go with Joe Flacco. And that's why they're going with Joe Flacco because this is the jets and this is what they do. And they ruined my life. To be honest, as a sports fan, I can't even watch them as a huge jets fan. It's just become pathetic. I don't want to watch them every week. And it just doesn't make any sense. There's no plan. There's no consistency. First of all, it's pathetic what Robert Sala has been doing. He's supposed to be the defensive genius or whatever. Their defense has been awful. Their defense has been historically bad. Like, this is, they're so bad that no other team has been this bad as far as giving up points. We forget how bad the defense was against Cincinnati because they actually won that game in a miraculous way with. Mike White, who's not good enough to start against the Miami Dolphins. So you decided after one bad week that Mike White's not the guy, but we're not going to go with the guy who we think might be the guy in Zach Wilson. Now we're going to go with Joe Flacco, which what does that mean they think about Zach Wilson, right? So basically what you're looking at is we have no idea what they think because Robert Sala changes his tone every five minutes, even last week when he was saying, you know, if Zach is ready, he'll go. And then he comes back and says, hey, maybe Mike White could be the starter. <laughs> the juggling act of the back and forth. It's just there's no consistency. There's no plan. There's no direction. It's one thing to be bad. It's one thing to be the Lions, to be the Jags, but you have a consistent direction. You're moving forward. You're moving in the right direction or you're just losing games, but you're consistent. You're, you know, Dan Campbell after every game, what he says, and Urban Meyer might be gone after next year, but it doesn't matter. Point is the Jets have none of that. The Jets are just pathetic and that's the life of being a Jet fan. So I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Three minutes is more than enough to talk about how bad the Jets are. And so I did that for three minutes, and I'm more than happy to move on to the next topic. And the next topic is we've had three straight wonk weeks is what they call them in the NFL, just weeks that don't make any sense. Um, I don't know if it's a 17-game schedule. I don't know if it's COVID injuries, but teams that shouldn't be winning are winning. Teams that should be winning are losing. It's just all over the place and blowouts too. I mean, talk about the Monday nighter with the Rams, the second straight week that they got blown out, the team that looked like probably the best team in the league coming into the last two weeks. And then they get blown out back to back weeks. So who knows what's going on in the NFL, the Ravens on Thursday night, they look like one of the worst teams we've ever seen against this great dolphins defense. Apparently, uh, according to Robert Sala, I said, I wasn't going to talk about it. I'm not, I'm done. I'm done talking about the jets, but 
the point is that now the league is all out of whack and we kind of see this. We see a couple weeks in the middle of the year that this happens, but this is different than any other week than any other year because we don't even have any teams that are still undefeated. We don't even have any teams that are one loss teams. Every team has at least two losses. Now you can look at the Arizona Cardinals and say, hey, maybe they'd only have one loss if they played um, if Kyler Murray played this week. Maybe uh, the Packers would only have one loss if Aaron Rodgers played last week. Maybe, but maybe not. And so you look at all these teams and you're like, what the hell's going on? Do we even have any good teams? There's always going to be one bad playoff team. We thought, you know, when they added the seventh team, you know, there was going to be a playoff team that just didn't deserve to be there. It's not like baseball where you could see a team that has like the Blue Jays who had more wins than the ultimate champion Atlanta Braves, right? In the regular season. Because in the NFL, when you look, when it gets closer to the end of the year and you see in the hunt that they give you on Sunday, it's like, who, who's, here's the teams that are in the hunt for the playoff spot. It's always a team that's like seven and eight going into the last week or something like that. So you add an extra game, there's going to be a team that's eight and eight, eight, eight and one if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers or eight and nine. Um, that makes it into the playoffs. So there's going to be a bad playoff team um, that makes it. But is there anyone really good in the league? Like the Chiefs all of a sudden look like the Chiefs from two years ago. And we'll get to that in a minute. We have the Packers. The, who's good? Who's not good? I have no idea. I think the league has been the most confusing that it's been in a long time. And all it takes is one of these teams to go on a run, though. And they end up with only three or four losses on the season. They're like, oh, that team's great. So it's the middle of the year. That's the time that's really hard to tell. Um, when teams are great and when teams are not great, but I'm going to try and break it down for you. The first thing I'm going to do, though, before I get into the teams themselves is talk about NFL MVP, because with all these teams having bad weeks and no one looking great, it also raises the question of who is the NFL MVP? A lot of times, this is the time of year where people start talking about MVP favorites, and I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite at all. Um, early in the year, I thought it was Lamar Jackson. I said he was carrying this team. But if you look at the last two games or two of the last three games against Miami and Cincinnati, now I think Miami was in large part due to Greg Roman. I thought it was all, like terrible offensive play calling that whole game. But still, you got to blame Lamar at some point. And when you look at those two games, the Miami game and the Cincinnati game, that starts to make you think, what about the first half against Detroit? or the first half against the Colts, or the second half against the Chargers, where he was really bad. Yes, he won those three games. He had the two huge comebacks against Detroit and the Colts. But why was he in that position in the first place? And then you start to wonder, oh, wait, maybe he's not having as great of a season as we thought. Now, obviously, the huge win against Kansas City, it felt like, oh, my God, this is it. Lamar's going to win MVP again. And with all the injuries on the team, I get it. There's a lot going on. They just caught Le'Veon Bell again. Um, So... There's obviously a lot surrounding this team and a lot they have to work on. But Lamar, the last two weeks, it's not just that the team looked bad. He individually looked bad also. So I'm not sure if he can be MVP anymore. Now, if you look at Tom Brady, maybe he's the favorite to win MVP. Um, but early on in the year, he's done this. And I'm going to get to this when I pick the games later. He's piled on against bad teams. When he's up at the end of games, garbage time, we saw him do it against the Falcons and other teams where he just piles on, just throwing touchdown after touchdown late in game. So his stats are really padded. His stats aren't really, shouldn't really be that good. They don't matter that much. Um, and he had two bad losses. If you're talking about Washington and New Orleans, those are two really bad losses. One of them coming off a bye against a team that's really not that good. And they didn't have their best defensive player in the second half. And Brady just looked 44. Like he looked old. So yes, maybe the rest of the way he'll look incredible. And they actually, he actually will win MVP. And the same goes for Lamar and any guy on this list. But Brady, I don't think you could just say, oh, he's the favorite. Give him MVP now, even if the team does really well, because the last two games and the padded stats. Now, Rodgers, I think, is the MVP. This is my opinion. Um, again, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm biased. But I think the first game of the year, he lost and it looked bad. That will obviously take a little off his stock. But since then, he's been incredible. But then with the whole COVID situation and lying, I think a lot of people are going to look at that. And the the MVP is comprised of two main points. It's stats and storylines. Aaron Rodgers really loses the storyline factor because of his COVID and lying. And he missed a game. So if you say, hey, look, this guy only played 16 games. If we get to the end of the year, he only played 16 games. And he missed that game. Why did he miss that game? The storyline is COVID. I don't know if they're going to give him MVP after that. Um, so I really don't think he'll win it, even if he does deserve it at the end of the year. Derrick Henry would have been MVP, uh, but he's out. So who knows when he's going to come back if he comes back for the playoffs. That team, 
by the way, that team has looked great without him the last couple of weeks. It's not like they've played any great teams, but at the same time, they've looked really good without him after losing to the Jets earlier in the year. Um, so I, I'm not sure, but I, I did think this would be the year for him to win MVP if he had stayed healthy, but he's not healthy. So it can't be Derrick Henry. Kyler Murray missed the games, right? The last two games, he obviously could have been an MVP candidate with the way that team was playing. Then they lose to the Packers and then he misses the next two games. They win the first one, lose the second one. If he comes back and has a great rest of the season, maybe, but I I wouldn't count on it. You know, he's a guy who's been hurt in the past. He's a small guy. It's harder to sustain big injuries when you're a smaller guy. So if you're Kyler Murray, maybe, maybe not also. Again, no favorites here. Now, this next one is a little bit weird. I'll actually save this for the end. Let's go Josh Allen next. Josh Allen had a couple of duds, lost to the Jags. The Another man on the field with the same name as him outplayed him by far. Uh, that was a big storyline last week. And so I don't know if you could give it to Josh Allen. Like I said, they looked great at times, but they also had a few duds in there, a few losses. So it depends what he does the rest of the year, really. But he had a few games, uh, just a stretch where he looked totally lost out there. But again, who's better than him at this point? Dak Prescott missed a game and had a bad loss. So he had the really bad loss last week and they missed the game the week before. So I'm not sure if you can give him MVP. I think he'll win comeback player of the year. The way he's come off that injury and looked even better than he did pre-injury. That's incredible. But he still missed some time, had a bad loss. You can't expect him to be perfect coming off the injury. That's why he'll get comeback player of the year. But I don't know if it's good enough to get MVP. Um, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert early in the year, everyone was talking about them, but they've completely fallen off. Look where where those teams are. Now, if you want to go to the Rams and say, well, Matt Stafford hasn't played well the last couple of weeks and the team's been terrible, but Cooper Cup has still played incredibly. Well, if you're giving it to the wide receiver, you kind of have to give it to the quarterback, right? So if you're going to give it to Cooper Cup, you got to give it to Matt Stafford, right? Or maybe you should just give it to the best player on that team who's also the best player in the league and Aaron Donald. I screamed about this last year. So basically, my two favorites for MVP this year are my two favorites for MVP last year, Aaron Donald and Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations, everyone. But really, throughout that list, again, Lamar. Brady, Rogers, Henry, Kyler, Cup, Stafford, Donald, Allen, Dak, Herbert, Burrow. You could really make a case for any of them at this point in the season, other than really Herbert and Burrow. But I don't think any of them have a clear cut favorite. They have a shot at the a clear shot to the MVP. So that's kind of going to be a cool storyline to see that develop. I don't remember the last time that you know we had so many names and no one was a standout at this point in the season. Um, the next point I wanted to make is Kansas City. Uh, I didn't mention Patrick Mahomes on that list, but if he rattles off a bunch of wins, who knows? He could also win MVP, right? Because the way he puts up numbers when he's capable of putting up numbers like we saw on Sunday, um, he puts them up in bunches and they can ride. They could run out. They could run their schedule. This is it's so interesting. I I don't I don't want to say the Kansas City Chiefs are back. I'm not going to be one of those ESPN talk shows where, hey, the Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are back because next week they might not be back again. Next week they might look terrible again. So. I'm not going to come out here and scream that they're back now because I don't want to contradict myself next week when they lose again. But I will say a couple of things. Um, First of all, part of the reason why I don't think they're back is because how many blows can Las Vegas sustain? Las Vegas, they lost by 15 or whatever to the Giants. So it makes sense that they lose by 40 to Kansas City, right? Um, And it's just crazy. Like, Punch after punch, blow after blow. Now they're corner. They have they had seven picks in the top four rounds of the draft in 2020, and they have more convicted felons on that list than they have guys starting for them. It's just how many losses can you take? And now they have the Gruden um, lawsuit against the NFL hanging over them. And that could be, you know, I talked about how the storylines won't affect the league. They'll still make their money, but that could really hurt the league that that lawsuit if they have to expose all those emails we've seen with the Clippers uh I know this is the NBA but we've seen with the Clippers owner we've seen with the Suns owner now that these old white people who buy sports teams sometimes say terrible things and a lot of times do and they're not always the greatest people and if these emails from Gruden are out then I imagine all those other emails are not that great and this could end up opening a whole can of worms for the entire NFL and look really bad for Goodell all the owners, maybe some other coaches. So this could be really bad. And I don't see how the NFL can get out of this lawsuit without either just paying off John Gruden or having to expose all these emails. And that's why the payoff for John Gruden 
yes, he did terrible things, but he might get a huge payoff out of this because the NFL does not want to open up those emails to the public. Um, that being said, I still think Kansas City, like I said, last year, all year, when they turn it on, they can win a Super Bowl. So, yes, Las Vegas, I think, is completely done. I think they've fallen off, and it sucks for them. You know, they actually looked really good at times this year, but how, blow after blow after blow, I don't think they're going to come back from these last ones. But Kansas City, if they start to play the team they were two years ago, all of a sudden, hey, they're Super Bowl contenders again. It's what I said all year last year. It never felt like they really turned it on, even though they had a good record. It never felt like they turned it on. Now, it feels like at any point they could turn it on and go on a Super Bowl run. So really, again, I, I can't rule them out. I don't want to say they're back just yet, but if they rattled off a bunch of wins and won out for the rest of the season, would I be shocked? No. Speaking of teams being back, um, this is more of an individual. Cam Newton is back in Carolina, and I don't think it's a story. I know everyone loves to talk about these stories. Hey, Cam is back. Look, he ran a touchdown. He threw a touchdown. He's having fun. He's wearing all the stuff in the, in the postgame interview. Maybe they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, there's a seventh team in each conference. Maybe they'll make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, he's not back. He's, he's not going to all of a sudden turn into the guy he was in 2015 he's not going to become that great player again I just if you saw the way he was throwing in the second half of last season I don't think he's capable of doing that of and turning back the clock it's just not really possible and I don't think this team's very good and it's just a, it's really a, just a weird situation it's like an admission of guilt like hey we let you go to two years too soon sorry our bad we're bringing you back the fact that he's out there loving it up and being like, oh, I'm so happy to be back. This is great. It's kind of just a weird situation. And it feels like a disaster waiting to happen because the second he starts to play poorly, he's like, hey, you guys let me go. I could have been good. Now I don't know the, the, the playbook, but I could have been here all along. I don't know. It doesn't look so great to me if you're from an outsider. I have no idea, but it just doesn't look right. And I think um, I don't I think that's false hope for this one week. Um I think the last point I wrote an article about this before it came, you know, before any of the stories came out and now they kind of calmed down, but Russell Wilson's gone after this year. He's already, I think he's 31 or 32, which is not old. It's not crazy old, but I think this team needs to rebuild. They need to recoup some of their draft picks that they gave away. The jets are going to have, and there I am talking about the jets again, but the jets are going to have either the first or second overall pick in the NFL draft. And then they're going to have the seventh from, the Seahawks, I don't think the Seahawks can come back from this and make the playoffs. Like I said, crazier things could happen. I think their team might be good. Russell Wilson is a great quarterback still. Um, and congrats, Jamal Adams got a pick. But at the same time, Russell Wilson was practicing all week and he looked terrible. He looked worse than Rodgers, who hadn't practiced with the team all week. So um, I, I don't know what to make of this. I think this team is going to start a rebuild. I think Pete Carroll might be fired and I think Russell Wilson will be traded after this season. All right. I'm going to do something now um, that I haven't done in a while. I Last year, I did tiers. I said I would start doing this when it became clearer who the best teams in the NFL were. I don't think it's clear at all who the best teams in the NFL are. Like I've said, it's been kind of crazy, been kind of all over the place. But um, you have to start doing this at some point. So I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do tiers. I'm not going to do who I think the playoff teams will be or who the Super Bowl contenders are. I'm just going to give you the top 10 teams, kind of like Colin Cowherd does it every week. Now, every week, his top 10 looks totally different than the week prior. So that might happen with me also because it's been such a weird NFL season. So I tried to really look at the teams and determine who are the best 10 teams in the NFL. And let's do it. Let's start it. Number 10, the New England Patriots. Of course, it feels like the early 2000s Patriots. Not that I remember that very well because I was very young, but it feels like young Brady I mean, Mac Jones looks as good as you can look. Um, I, I, he looks like young Brady. That's what's incredible about Mac Jones. Um, and that team with Belichick and the defense, it feels like it's all coming together. And if he won MVP, if they rattled off a bunch of wins, if they went to the Super Bowl, would anyone be shocked? No, not at all. Uh, I, I'm not ready to crown them. Hey, they're fully back. This is the Patriots. Next 20 years is going to be a dynasty. I'm not ready to say that yet. but. It looks like it might be headed in that direction. As a Jets fan, nothing pains me more. Um, but they're number 10. I think they are the 10th best team in the league. Number nine is the Rams. You can't dis disregard the last two weeks. Now, they would have been higher. They would have been considered one of the best teams in the league a couple weeks ago. But 
how do you look so bad like they looked the last couple weeks? I don't know how you can possibly excuse that. So that's why they're not higher. Um, they still are a top 10 team in the league. We saw what they're capable of, the amount of talent they have on this team. Odell Beckham Jr. coming over now, who who knows what's left in the tank for him. Obviously, he didn't know a lot of the game plan, and that's why he didn't play that much. Von Miller looked like he's totally washed, but who knows? They still have Aaron Donald. They still have Jalen Ramsey. Still have a great defense. Matthew Stafford, even in the games, the last two games where he's looked bad at times, he still had some moments where he did look really good. A couple of the picks weren't his fault. So I wouldn't give up on them just yet, but they are number nine. Number eight, I have them ahead of the Rams. Crazy what one week does is the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs, the reason I'm saying that is because we've seen basically the same core win a Super Bowl and go to a Super Bowl last year. You can't forget that they did that, even as bad as they look this year. And really, the reason they've looked so bad is because of Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes, you can't expect him to be this bad. And one of the positives for the Chiefs that I'll give you is it's not just that Patrick Mahomes was doing what he's always done and he was running around making plays and all of a sudden the plays were actually working out. He did change his game a little bit to where he was standing in the pocket and making more controlled passes and not trying to do too much. I thought that was a great sign for the Chiefs that, that someone actually spoke to him and said, hey, you know, you got to be a pocket passer, all that other stuff. Don't bail on the pocket too early. All that other crazy stuff that you do outside the pocket, all those crazy plays will come. You got to just play your game. Um, number seven, I have the Ravens. Now, the Ravens at times, really, the team is up and down. I've never seen a more hot and cold team when they're bad. They're awful. But when they've looked good, they've looked like the best team in the NFL, both on offense and on defense. So I have them at number seven. Number six, I have the Bills. Again, at times look terrible. Even in the game against the Jets, it's 10-3, going, almost going into the half. And then the Jets decide to go one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with a corner who's a backup corner against Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen just picked him apart, went three plays right down the field and scored a touchdown, and then did the same thing. The Jets did not adjust at halftime. They did the same thing to come out of the second half and ran the same plays against the same corner and scored a touchdown. So those two touchdowns made cause a separation in the game. But really before that, um, it was 10-3. They didn't even look that great. So I'm not ready to put them higher, but we know what they're capable of. Number five is the Tennessee Titans. Now I have the Tennessee Titans at five. They could, they're eight and two. They're, they have the best record in the league, right? They could be even higher. But how long are they going to be able to sustain this without Derrick Henry? I don't know. That's a question. It's a question mark I still have for this team. I guess we'll see. They can move up if they can continue to sustain this without Derrick Henry or if Derrick Henry can come back late in the season or the playoffs. And that might be the best thing that happens for them. If he's getting rest now and he can come back stronger and better while everyone else is really tired after a 17-week season, that would be crazy. I think it would be a new level of Derrick Henry and they could ride him to a Super Bowl championship. Number four is the Cardinals. Again, Colt McCoy started the last two weeks. Last time we saw Kyler Murray, they lost a really close game. He threw a bad pick. A.J. Green didn't turn, turn around against the Packers, but he drove the team right down the field and put them in the position to win that game. And so I think the Cardinals are really good. I hope Kyler can come back healthy. That's my only concern. That's why they're not higher than they are. But number four, they are the fourth best team in the league. And with if they can get Kyler back at full health, full strength, then they can be even higher than that. Number three, I have the Bucks, and it's really just simple. Tom Brady and that uh, just everyone, that offense, that defense. We saw how talented they were last year. Yeah, they had their ups and downs last year. It felt like this year they were just going to come out and dominate the entire season. Here are a couple of downs. Again, I keep making like excuses for why teams aren't higher. It's not an excuse, but Tom Brady's 44, and he looked 44 the last couple of weeks. So I doubt he's done, but at some point it ends for everyone. So maybe this is the year. I'm not going to say that yet. I think they're the third best team in the league. Number two, I have the Cowboys. Yes, Dak had a game where he looked pretty bad. Yes, I don't think this team is incredible. I don't think Zeke is the Zeke he once was. But their defense is good. Their offense is good. And I really think this team is a really good football team. And number one, I have the Green Bay Packers. The defense has started to come together and look really good. That was one thing that we weren't sure about last year. The defense looks much better this year than it did last year. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You see the type of difference he makes. Even when he didn't have his top two receivers a couple of weeks ago when they were out with COVID, before he went out with COVID, he picked a team apart. He doesn't need his receivers. He is such a great quarterback. He is the biggest difference maker in the league today. And by the way, going back to the MVP conversation, Ryan Rosillo suggested, or maybe it was Bill Simmons, why don't you just look at Vegas? If if you take Aaron Rodgers off the team, how much will the line shift? If you take uh, Kyler Murray off the team, how much will the line shift? Josh Allen, et cetera, all those guys. 
and whoever shifts the line the most, that's who you make MVP. That's literally the most valuable guy. Um, obviously, the league won't do that. But I think the answer is Rodgers. Rodgers is the biggest difference maker in the NFL. He's the best quarterback in the NFL today, I, I think. And so um, I think that team is the best team in the league because of him and because the team around him is really good. I want to see him win the Super Bowl one last hurrah, um, and then I think he'll leave. But again, number one, Packers, number two, Cowboys, number three, Bucks, number four, Cardinals, number five, Titans, Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, eight, Rams, nine, Pats, ten. Those are the top 10. I think any of those teams honestly can win a Super Bowl. That's how close it's been. We haven't seen a team separate themselves yet, but um, those are my top 10. All right. I'm going to pick the games first. Last week, I I, uh, did NFL or NBA talk before I picked the games. This time, I'm going to actually go straight into my week 11 picks. Week 11 in the NFL kicks off, as always, with Thursday night football. The Patriots at the Falcons. It's a rematch of that Super Bowl, the 28 to 3 game. I think it's the first time they're playing against each other also since that game. I don't remember if they've played since, but the Pats are favored by minus six and a half. And I just said the Pats are the 10th best team in the league. I think they're really good. And I think they're going to crush the Falcons, who I don't think the Falcons will have as bad of a week as they had last week because. I think Matt Ryan still is a solid quarterback. They're four and five. I think the team will end up around that, around 500, maybe seven and 10 um, at worst. So I don't think they're terrible. And I think they'll end up keeping Matt Ryan for another year. But I think the Patriots are turning into a really confident, really good NFL team. And Mac Jones is gaining confidence as the season goes on. Maybe he can win MVP if they rattle off some wins, throw him in that list, right? Um, Why not? And so... The Patriots, I'm going to take them minus six and a half against the Falcons. On Sunday, we'll start with my Jets. The Jets against Miami. Miami is minus three and a half with Flacco starting. I don't even know. I'm going to take the the Dolphins. I can't take the Jets anymore. I, I won't take them the rest of the year until I see some sort of change. I don't think that defense can stop anyone. Um, I think Miami will carve it up against them. And so I'm going to take Miami. And if you're looking at 44 and a half as the total for the over under, I'm going to take the over on that one also, because guess what? The Jets can't stop anyone. Maybe they can't score, but I think Miami could put up 40 points against the Jets at least. And all you're asking for the Jets is to score 10 points. Maybe they'll score 10 garbage time points like they did last week. So uh, I would take the over on that. Green Bay and Minnesota. Um, Green Bay is in Minnesota. Green Bay is favored by minus two. Um, I'm going to take Green Bay. I think they'll win. I think they'll beat Minnesota by a lot now. Minnesota surprised us before Kirk Cousins winning big games, but I'm still going to take the Packers. Like I said, I think they're the best team in the league. Carolina and Washington that's in Carolina. Cam came back last week. They're minus three. People are feeling pretty good. I think Washington's going to win. I think Washington's feeling even better. I don't think Washington's very good at all. It's kind of a toss up to me. The reason Carolina is minus three, that number is a a bit big for me, honestly. Um, And that's the only reason why I'm going to take Washington. Philly is home for New Orleans. Um, Philly started to look really good, actually. Uh, Hertz is starting to look pretty good. They're minus one and a half. And I'm actually going to take Philly. New Orleans doesn't look that good to me. I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them, but they really have a quarterback issue. And they it's a problem because they could be one of the best teams in the league. I, I don't know what they're doing. And I know you can't trade for anyone at this point, but it's kind of a shame that you can't because if they had a just a decent quarterback, they would be one of the better teams in the league, in my opinion. By the way, speaking of shifting the line, Alvin Kamara being out last week shifted the line tremendously um, for the Saints. And so maybe he's MVP. Who knows if you want to judge MVP that way. San Francisco and Jacksonville. That's in Jacksonville. San Francisco had an incredible week last week. Um, Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked great, but he hasn't looked terrible the last couple of weeks. Maybe that's a little bit of an improvement. San Francisco is minus six. That's a big number. If you ask me, I'm going to take Jacksonville. I was never a huge San Francisco believer, um, all year. They were hyped up before the year, but why were they so hyped up? They went to a Super Bowl once, but they were never good before or after. Um, but, and everyone blamed last year on injuries, but I just didn't think they looked that good this year. They haven't been great, but then they just come off and crush the Rams. So I don't know, but I still want to take Jacksonville because the number is very big. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel great about that one. Detroit and Cleveland. Cleveland is minus 10. I'm going to take Detroit. Again, I think Cleveland might be on one of those downward spirals, although every week they look like a different team. and That's why they're five and five. Uh, Last week was bad. The week before was incredible. So who knows what we're going to get this week, but Baker's not a whole uh, 100% healthy at all. So I, I don't know if I want to trust him. 
the Lions got as close as they were going to get to a win last week. They almost beat Pittsburgh. They tied. Um, so maybe the Lions do finally get a win. Arizona, these are the late games, 425. Um, Arizona is at Seattle. Um, and Arizona is favored by minus two. I don't know who's playing, but I, like I said, I don't think Seattle's very good at all. I'm going to take the Cardinals in that game. Dallas is at Kansas City, and Kansas City is favored by minus two and a half, and I'm going to keep riding Kansas City. The over-under actually is 56 and a half. I'll take the over in that game. We saw what Dallas's offense did last week. We know that um, Kansas City's defense is not that great. So again, all it took was one week of Patrick Mahomes to look like Patrick Mahomes, and they're already being favored, but I think they'll keep it going this week. Baltimore is at Chicago. Baltimore is favored by minus six and a half. That's another guy who uh, has started to look pretty good. Um, Justin Fields. So I don't know. Again, it's tough to tell, but I'm going to take Chicago actually. But I think Baltimore will win that game. I just think uh, Chicago will cover the plus six, will cover the line. Buffalo is minus seven at home against Indianapolis. Indianapolis, again, one of those weird teams where they've played really well lately. People were expecting them to be good at the beginning of the season. I still don't trust Carson Wentz. Minus seven is just a touchdown. So I'm going to take Buffalo and think they could actually beat them. I think Buffalo is on the way up. And starting to come back. Tennessee and Houston. Tennessee is minus 10 and a half. Um, I don't think Tennessee is going to blow out a lot of teams without Derrick Henry. So even though I think they'll win this game. I think that line is a little big. So I'm going to take Houston. I've taken a lot of underdogs uh, this week. Las Vegas is home for Cincinnati. Cincinnati is only minus one. But I think Cincinnati is going to win. Like I said, I don't think Las Vegas can sustain any more punches. And I think the season might be over for them. And I think Cincinnati needs a big game. And I think Justin Burrow will deliver. Um. Joe Burrow, sorry, will deliver for them. The Steelers are at the Chargers. The Chargers are favored by minus five and a half. That's Sunday night football. Not a great game, but I think the Chargers is a get right week for them as well. Just like I said for Burrow, same thing goes for Herbert. We haven't seen him look great in a while, and I don't think the Steelers, especially with Ben or without Ben, either way, I don't think they're that good. Um, The Giants are at the Buccaneers, and this is what I alluded to early in the podcast, very early in the podcast. I said that the Buccaneers like to pile it on against bad teams. It's Monday night football. The Giants are coming off the bye. It's a Monday night game. They played close against the Bucs last year. This time, though, it's in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is minus 10.5. I think the Bucs will absolutely crush them. Um, Listen, Brady sometimes has a fear of seeing Giants jerseys. All of a sudden, he starts to see the ghost of Justin Tuck and... uh, all those guys chasing after him, uh, Michael Strahan. But I think the Giants don't have enough power. And I think late in the game, Brady will put it away with a couple of late touchdowns and win by a touchdown or two. So the 10 and a half, I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I promised a bonus at the end of the episode. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I did have some NBA points that I wanted to get to before that. So that's all my, uh, <laughs> that is all my NBA, uh, my NFL topics for now um yeah i i wasn't great in picking the games the last couple weeks because they've been so weird so maybe things will normalize a little bit maybe i overcorrected and picked too many underdogs because uh the games were weird but um i I don't know (laughs) i don't know what to tell you right now uh hopefully my picks are good so if you're betting based off my picks you shouldn't but if they i I still want to be right and i'm still over 500 uh, I've been over 500 every week this year, but at the same time, they haven't they haven't been as good as I'd like them to be. All right, to the NBA and the Western Conference. If you're looking at the Western Conference, we're about 20% into the season, and you want to start looking at okay, who's good? Who are the actual really good teams? And in the NBA, it's hard because you know once you get to the playoffs, some of the really good teams can get hot, and they'll start playing better, even if the seeding isn't uh, normal. So the first 20% of the season is not you know, a great, um, just a great assessment, but the Warriors have been incredible so far. They're 12 and two. They're so fun to watch. They go into Brooklyn last night and they absolutely crush the nets. Steph Curry's getting MVP chance. He took like 14 shots in the game and had 37 points. He was, no, he was nine of 14 from three. And then he took a bunch of more shots, maybe a few more. So maybe he had 16 or 18 shots in the game. Just ridiculous numbers for Steph, uh, for Steph Curry. And Klay Thompson is playing five on five in practice. They said he played yesterday. He's going to play again today. Um, so that's a great sign. I can't wait for Klay to come back. That team, they just emphasize team. And uh, just hearing Draymond Green when he talked about the, uh, the 
the coaches and their body language, how it affected the team. I don't know if you heard this. If you didn't hear this, you should definitely go hear this. Um, and maybe I even talked about this on last episode, but he said that when you see when they make a turnover and you see the coaches slump their shoulders or just look, he's like, it looks like a funeral on the sideline. He's like, it really affects the team. We need positive energy. And Steve Kerr took that to heart. And I, I think Draymond Green, I, I've come to love him. I used to hate him, uh, but I think he's such a leader and he's such a valuable player on a good team. I still don't think he'd be one of the best players on a bad team, but he's such a valuable guy to have on a good team. That team is a team that never stops working. They play the game the right way. They play hard. Um, there's no ego on that team. And uh, I saw a funny tweet. Kevin Durant wanted to leave uh, Golden State so that he wouldn't be, uh, so that Steph Curry wouldn't be the favorite player on in the city where he plays in. And he came to, and then Steph Curry came to Brooklyn, uh, followed him, and was getting MVP chance there. So even when Kevin Durant left Curry to Brooklyn to be the favorite player in that city. Steph Curry is still the favorite player in that city. It's kind of funny. I didn't explain that very well, but I hope you got it. Either way, I think that team plays extremely fun, uh, a great brand of basketball, and I want to keep riding them. I want to keep seeing how they play uh, for the rest of the season. I think it's going to be really fun. But if you look at a few other teams in the Western Conference, um, I guess it's Golden State, the Clippers, Denver. Who is the team that's going to be uh, that team that can come out of the West. And I have an interesting take. I think the Utah Jazz can come out of the West. And hear me out. I know they looked terrible in the playoffs last year. I know Gobert looked unplayable. But everyone talks about, hey, well, the Jazz are a great regular season team. Of course, they're going to have a great regular season. That sounds very familiar to me. Didn't we say that about the Bucks for years? Yeah, they're a great regular season team, but they're never going to make it in the playoffs. Yeah, we said that every year about the Bucks until they just did. Before they make it in the playoffs, look at the Atlanta Braves who just won the World Series. Sometimes it just clicks. It could happen for the Baltimore Ravens this year. You know, a bunch of years of being really good and building the chemistry and almost breaking through. Then you have that one year where things just fall right for you. And you win a Super Bowl. You win an NBA championship. You win a World Series. You win a Stanley Cup. So I do think that the Utah Jazz can make a run in the playoffs this year if they do make it to the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm just saying that them looking great in the regular season and then falling off in the playoffs doesn't guarantee that's gonna that it's going to happen again this year. I mentioned the Clippers as one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Paul George needs his respect. Here are his numbers this year. 26.7 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 2.5 steals. He's shooting 46% from the floor, 36% from three, and 86% from the free throw line. Um, those are ridiculous numbers. That's a guy who's carrying a team. That's a guy who lost the best player on the team last year and looked better after they lost Kawhi Leonard. And we'll get to that in a second. But Paul George's career is super interesting. But the guy plays really hard defense. The guy carries the team. He doesn't mind being the alpha. He has such a bad reputation. And he's become so underrated in the league. And people start to hate him. And I think people start need to start giving him his respect back. Um, and if you look at how his career has gone, he was in Indiana. He was with Danny Granger. He was second fiddle to Danny Granger. Danny Granger was ridiculous. Then Danny Granger gets hurt. It becomes Paul George's team. But if Danny Granger still stays healthy, maybe they beat the Heat or the next year something happens. I don't know. Um, and then he gets the big injury, the devastating injury that people thought he would never be the same again. He goes to OKC and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he becomes the same player that he once was. Um, in Indiana. And it's like, oh my God, this guy's actually really good. The only difference is he'd become a better shooter. And the defense maybe is not, maybe a step slower. Maybe he's not the athlete he once was, but he's really, really 99% of the guy that he was pre-injury. He misses time literally in the prime of his career and then turns into one of the better players. He's in OKC. Everyone thinks he's going to go to the Lakers, but he ends up deciding to stay with OKC. The Lakers get Anthony Davis. And then after one year, they trade uh, Russell Westbrook and they're like hey we're gonna move Paul George also he goes to the Clippers with Kawhi he's like oh this is great we're gonna be with Kawhi then last year then the bubble was just a disaster for him obviously we know about that Kawhi gets hurt um, and so they don't win last year and people just give him a bad reputation really just because of the bubble I guess people were bored people didn't have much to to watch and he, the, the team looked so bad and he was just so awful and the team was so discombobulated in the bubble and he took all the heat for it. And it's so interesting. They they look better post-Kawhi. And Kawhi is also just a weird story. Because 
the team looked better without him in the playoffs last year. They kind of look better without him this year, uh, this season so far. But at the same time, t- Kawhi literally went to Toronto and turned a team that can never go over the get over the hump and won them a, a championship. And that team hasn't looked the same since then. I mean, Pascal Siakam hasn't looked like the, since, the same player since Kawhi left. So Kawhi's a great player. Maybe if this team can learn how to play with Paul George, and Paul George being the man, when Kawhi comes back, he'll just be an extra superstar at the end of the year. Maybe he comes back and they become real championship contenders. So I do think that th- that team is a real, real contender in the Western Conference. So like I said, the Jazz, Golden State, the Clippers, and Denver, and we'll get to the Lakers a little bit later. The Wizards, by the way, this year, moving to the Eastern Conference, are last year's Knicks. They're fun. They're young. They're hungry. They play the game the right way. None of them are selfish. Only they might be better than the Knicks because last year's Knicks, the best player on the team was Julius Randle. And I don't think anyone would argue that Bradley Beal is a better player than Julius Randle. Um, He's not the leader of the team. He doesn't, he just has to be a scorer. Like he can create for himself and he can create for others, but they have other guys on the floor. The Kyle Kuzma, if you didn't see this video is also hilarious. Kyle Kuzma's no look passes where he passes it and then looks away. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie was kind of making fun of that, but Spencer Dinwiddie has been the point guard for this team. And he's been the guy facilitating for everyone. And it's just so much fun to watch a team that's energized every night. They're the number one conference in the East. They're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, they play for each other. They love each other. They play hard. That's something that you love to see in basketball. You don't see very often. You saw it with the Knicks last year. And now you're seeing it with the Wizards this year. Speaking of last year's Knicks, um, on Monday night was the first time we saw a win this year, really, that looked like last year's Knicks. It wasn't pretty. It was ugly. Shots weren't going down. Um, the other, but they held the other team down. They brought energy. They had defense. Emmanuel quickly. Derrick Rose, R.J. Barrett hitting big threes at the end. That's exactly what you love to see. It felt like last year. The Garden felt like last year. But at the same time, the Knicks' offense should be better. The Knicks' starters should be better. The Knicks' starters have been some of the worst, like the worst five unit in the league and Kemba Walker's been good on offense, but just so bad on defense. Evan Fournier since the first couple games of the year has just been lost. Um, and people warn me about this when I was raving about him early in the year, Boston fans, Orlando fans like, Hey, before you get ahead of yourself, he can be one of the most frustrating guys to work to, to root for. So I'm not saying I was totally blindsided by this, but Mitchell Robinson at times look lo- looks lost. Also, even though he's clearly talented, obviously Noel is still out. I don't know if he's going to be back tonight. The Knicks need to come out and blow out Orlando tonight like they did the second game of the year on the road and can't lose to Orlando like they did at home last time. They need to come out and blow them out in a real way. Um, and their offense needs to show up. And Julius Randle needs to bring more effort. Julius Randle needs to be better uh, than he's been the last few games. Now, I appreciate that when they went to the ISO at the end of the game with Randle like they like to do when they're up a couple points, he ended up kicking it out twice to Derrick Rose, one for a drive to the basket and a score, and the other time for a kick to, to for an extra pass to R.J. Barrett for the three. So I do un- appreciate that Julius Randle, they're not trying to take the ball out of his hands. He's willingly giving up the ball to make the right play at the end of games. I understand that, but at the same time, I think he still needs to be just more energized out there. He's the alpha. He's the leader of the team, and he can't have bad mojo out there when he's slumping his shoulders and maybe walking around when he's not playing so well. And I think we've seen a little bit of that. I want to see more energy out of the team. And I want to just see the uh, the offense start to play a little better. All right. Here's the thing with Boston. And I know I'm a little bit late on this. But Boston, um, they were rumored to trade uh, Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. Now, I think Boston did call about Ben Simmons. And they were interested in Ben Simmons. And... Daryl Morey said, okay, we'll take Jalen Brown, and which at which point Boston hung up the phone. So the rumors that came out were probably coming out of Philly. I think there were rumors out of Boston. Yes, we're interested in Ben Simmons. And then the rumors out of Philly were like, yes, we, we asked them for Jalen Brown. But I don't think Boston would ever trade one of the Jays for two reasons. One, you have two of the, like I said, what other team has two superstar players? I said this a couple of weeks ago. What other team has two, two superstar players that can't seem to figure it out? eventually someone's going to have to come in there, either a point guard or a coach or someone is going to come in there and figure it out and figure out a way for those two to coexist and play together and to complement each other. Cause you can't just have two players who are so talented and not be able to do anything with it. Eventually you feel like they have to figure it out. 
Um, and the second thing is they don't want to solve Philly's problem. There's no reason for them to solve Philly's problem. All right. Last NBA point. I said I'd get to the Lakers. What's LeBron's next move? LeBron is not going to sit by and watch this team unravel. He's not going to let it get to the second half of the season with still question marks everywhere. He's going to make a trade. He's going to cut guys. He's going to start moving guys. LeBron's not a patient guy. I don't think that's a good thing. I think, listen, last year, remember Westbrook in the second half? He looked dead. And all of a sudden, in the second half, he's turned into a triple-double machine again. That could happen. Maybe they could start reviving in the second half. But I don't think LeBron's going to get it, let it get to that point. So the question is, what will LeBron do? And that's a really interesting question that um, remains to be seen. So the Lakers are a little bit of a mess right now. Am I, would I be shocked if they also turned it on and started playing really well over the next few months? No. But I think LeBron is going to try and overmanage this situation and try and make moves too soon. And I don't even think they're a top five team in the Western Conference. Um, okay, that's all for basketball. I did want to talk about the Rangers because I fell in love with the Rangers again last night. Um, I had just they had an awesome win. They've won four in a row. I talked about how they cleaned house um, unexpectedly a while ago. Um, and it was just weird. Why are you cleaning house right now at this point in the season or at this point in the process? It felt like they were in the middle of a rebuild and they were so close last year. They probably could have made the playoffs if they weren't in their terrible division, the way the divisions were lined up because of COVID. But no, they clean house because they wanted to already make the playoffs last year and it felt like Dolan was ruining everything. And then they come into this year and they play terribly to start the season, but they're winning games. And so in the past when the Rangers have played, have started slowly, They've dug themselves such a big hole that they couldn't climb out of it. And it was like, okay, we've dug ourselves too big of a hole. How are we going to climb out of this situation? And now, even if we play well the second half of the season, like what happened two years ago, we still can't make the playoffs. But this year is different. They were winning games while they were playing poorly. Despite playing poorly, they still won games. And now they've won four in a row and they're 10-3-3. and They have 23 points. They're in a playoff picture if the playoffs started today. So they're starting to look good and they're starting to gel as a team. Um, they're starting to come together. There's an added toughness that we saw finally with Ryan Reeves last night and Jacob Truba standing up for their teammates um, after the Sammy Blade injury a couple of nights ago. And after what uh, Brendan Gallagher on Montreal did last night, you saw the team fight back and you like to see that from the Rangers, but they're also skilled. It feels like finally they have a direction. They have a combination of the skill and the toughness that we wanted to see that we're, we were promised as Rangers fans. So it's a really exciting time to be a New York Rangers fan and a hockey fan. All right, coming up, I got a special surprise for you guys. Don't go anywhere. All right, so it's been a long podcast already. And now it feels like I'm just piling on. Uh, I don't want to go too long on this, but it's something I've wanted to do for a while, uh, specifically talk about this. And I don't want to be classic. I'm not trying to be... Yeah, anyone who listens to my podcast knows that I only know one way to do it. And that's talk about things that I care about and talk about things that I'm passionate about. I'm not going to make stuff up. I'm not going to try and create stories. Um, and I know a lot of people and a lot of other podcasts do movie or TV reviews. Um, and that's not why I'm doing this. Uh, but I think there's a lesson here and I try and learn lessons on the podcast. I try and really just talk to myself. I try and keep myself motivated um, to do this and to continue doing this when you know, some days it feels like there's traction and I'm moving forward. Some days it feels like there isn't. Um, and so <laughs> I wanted to be honest on here. That's what I said I was going to do. So I'm continuing to do that. And there's a mov movie review. That's what I want to do. Um, and the movie is an interesting movie. It had mixed reviews, uh, but it's Free Guy, uh, a Ryan Reynolds movie that came out this past summer. It was supposed to come out last year during COVID and it got pushed off because of COVID. Um, and look, it got mixed reviews. I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds fan. Anyone who knows me knows that. And I love Ryan Reynolds stuff. And maybe this isn't, you know, the type of movie that um, deserves a, an in-depth review like this. But I kind of have a take that I haven't seen anywhere else um, that I just wanted to talk about. And I think is important to uh, kind of keep me motivated and kind of just see where, you know, where we're going, where everyone's going, wherever you are in your life. Um, it's something that can help you kind of keep your eyes on the future and uh there might be spoiler alerts so look out uh the movie is basically if you haven't seen it it's about a guy who is a non-playable character an npc in a video game who gains a conscience and all of a sudden realizes that instead of doing the things he's programmed to do he can actually you know do something that he's not supposed to do he can change he can do things that he wants to do 
Um, and that was a big thing in my life when I started doing this podcast, when I started working in the industry that I'm working in. I realized, hey, I don't have to do what I'm quote unquote supposed to do in life. I can change and I can actually make a difference in my life that for the positive, I could actually do something that I want to do. And whether it's in your religion or your job or your your relationship or wherever you are in life, um, you're never stuck where you are. You're never stuck doing what you think you need to be doing or what you're supposed to do. You can always change. You can always get up and um, and move. And that's the main point of the movie. And I think that's a huge point, and that's something that a lot of people talked about, and that's kind of the the message that the movie is trying to give, and it's a really great feel good story. Um, ultimately, though, there's that part of every movie where it feels like the hero has reached his limit and he can't go on anymore, and it's not going to work out the way he thought it would. There's always that low in the movie, and the low in this movie is at the end of the day, he's fake. You know, he finds out that hey, I'm not real. I'm just part of a video game all this was for nothing. I realized that I could be something great. I could be something different than what I wanted to be. But uh, I, you know, but it's fake. It's all for nothing. Because at the end of the day, I'm confined, I'm limited in what I can do, because I'm just in this video game. And that's all there is to it. And that part of the movie really sucks. That part of the movie is like, hey, you know, as much as we try, as hard as we go, as much as we try and change and try and do what we actually can accomplish, um, at the same time, there are limits. Some there are some things that are not in our control, and so when something goes poorly for us, <laughs> you know, it maybe maybe we weren't free as we thought we were. That's the kind of the idea of the movie Free Guy, right? Where he always thought he was supposed to do some something, and then he kind of realizes, hey, you know what? Maybe I just was. Maybe I am just a non-playable character in a in a fake video game. Um, and then he realizes, no, I could do this one last mission that can change, not for me, but can change for the person outside the video game who's playing the video game, who's controlling the game. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but basically she wrote the code for a lot of the game, but didn't get any credit for it. And he realized that he can discover something in the game um, and change the game. And ultimately, he does get to that point where he helps her. And so even though he's just a video game character... He discovers a conscience, and even though it doesn't going to work, it isn't going to work out for him. He was able to make a significant change in the world, um, in the real world, for this woman who created the video game. Um, and when it gets to that part, there's a part of it where the whole movie. He wakes up every morning, and you see his, you see his, um, like there's a montage at the beginning of the movie where you're trying to see that he's just going through the same schedule over and over again. He does does and says the exact same things over and over again because he's programmed to do so. Um, and one of the things he does when he wakes up in the morning is he flicks his blinds. He opens and closes them really quickly and then slows down a little bit, then opens and closes them really quickly. Um, and you never know why he's doing it till the end of the movie explains that um, basically her code was hidden. Her code, her code to the game was hidden somewhere in the game. They couldn't take it out of the game. And that's how she ends up winning, you know, the game that she proves that she created it um, by him finding the code and why he was flickering the 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 blinds was because if he hit the blinds every morning and he turned them just the right way and the sun hit it just right he could see the reflection of this greater place of something bigger than him something that he didn't know what it was he didn't know why he was doing it but it was something greater than him it was something self in his self-conscious that or in his subconscious that he didn't know was what that was drawing that was drawing him to this place but there was something greater. And that's the part that I really took out of the movie. Um, every day in life, we are chasing a dream or we're chasing a pursuit of happiness. Also one of my favorite movies. Um, we're pursuing something, whether it's in religion, we're always trying to fill our lives with either meaning or happiness, but there's no real answer. We don't know. Sometimes when you get the biggest gig in your life or you get, you get a, um, you make a lot of money or, you found a, a place or you found the person that you're married to or, or a kid or something happens in your life where you feel like, well, this is what's going to make me happy. Now I'm going to be happy. Now I'm going to be satisfied. And we're never satisfied. And that's how God created us um, with a constant drive. We always constantly want to, even if you don't believe in God, we know humans have a constant drive. And once you stop having a drive, you have no reason to live anymore. Um, and you're always driving and, and striving for something better and greater. But we don't know what it is. And that moment where he's just flickering it open and closed and the sun hits it just right. And he sees in the blinds, he sees for a second that 
that's the that's the peak that's the happiness that's the pursuit that's what he's pursuing in life that is the euphoria that he's looking for um and it hits it just right and he doesn't know he doesn't know what that euphoria is but that's what he's chasing his whole life and then he realizes yes i can't be a real person in the outside world but if i find this place i will reach my euphoria that was my mission all along that was my mission on this earth us in life our goal is to try and find what our mission is and try and make a difference and sometimes you can get that euphoria, you can get little tastes of it. You have a moment with a loved one, or you have a moment in your religion, or you have a moment at your job, or you have a moment when you're watching sports, I feel euphoria. And maybe this is weird, but I feel certain euphoria from sports that I, I can't get anywhere else almost, um, that I can't even explain an emotional connection to it. And you chase those feelings. And in life, we chase those feelings. And sometimes it feels like, why are we chasing this feeling? Why are we doing this? And there's all kinds of distractions that keep you distracted that make you think no this is what we're chasing that's what we're chasing we don't know what it's supposed to be but then we get sometimes get those little hints um and my point that i just wanted to make from the movie was i think you have to chase that you have to find that little thing find those little little points of happiness and continue to chase it and put it all together and that's when you'll get to the ultimate point of where your mind is settled and you feel like hey i got there um, and again, it's a constant thing. It's not something that you're going to chase every single day. Um, and then you'll get there one day and you'll just live 40 years. Hey, I'm, I'm here. You know, the second someone stops having a drive, having a, a reason to strive for something more, that's when their life is essentially over. Uh, even if they're living, they're not living for anything. So that's just my point. I'm going to keep striving. Um, I have those little moments of euphoria. where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so close. I can taste it. And I'm sure everyone has that in their life, in their relationships, in whatever it is that you're doing. So keep chasing that. That's all I got to say. And I think that movie's super inspirational. And I think that's a piece that kind of got hidden in the movie because the breaking out of your shell and doing what you can do and having the ability to do anything, but then is great. But then we see that he's limited. He can't do everything, but he could still chase that little euphoria. He, he could still chase, I'm going to get to that point and nothing's going to stand in my way. Um, and I think we all have to have that drive. Uh, and I think. I don't know. I'm going to keep doing that. Anyway, that's that's the show. I, I don't know why I wanted to talk about it, but I talked about it for 10 minutes now. It didn't feel like 10 minutes. Um, so I hope you enjoyed. If you go see the movie, uh, maybe you'll see the same thing. Long episode, but I'm going to try and come back next week and do another episode. It's going to be Thanksgiving. It's going to be hectic. So maybe I'll try and get it done earlier in the week. Maybe I'll do Wednesday again. I'll try and do next Wednesday again. Until next time, see ya.
just a mile to road. Take it in, take it with you when you go. We said you can't go.